This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Jackie Button in the lower square. In the right-hand square, we have Lorraine Hughes. They are Jack and Laws. This is a very special episode as I'll be interviewing these two lovely ladies who do a great blog and have a book out. We'll talk about the book in a little bit. But before we do anything else, I have to welcome them both to the show first. Lorraine, thank you so much for joining your co-writer here on the show today. How are you doing? Really well. Absolutely delighted to be here. I mean, what a wonderful thing to be talking about Fulham on a Sunday afternoon, which is fantastic, what we like to do. And particularly when there's been a gap for us after the Euros. That's and right. Just before, you know, sort of the pre-season's here, but we're, we'll be going along to see Charlton in the uh, friendly next week. So it's great. So thanks for us for having us. Uh, I'm happy to have the two of you on. I look forward to speaking with you. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll talk about the two of you. And then later on, we will get your thoughts because we do have some news to talk about. We actually have some signings. Yes, we have some signings. And I'm curious your view on those signings. Um, I'm now going to go to Jackie. Uh, Jackie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Ross. I mean, we've both been listening to Cottage Talk for as long as you've been doing it. So oh. to be on here uh, with the man himself is fantastic. Thank you. Oh. oh, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Jackie, and I just want to mention to anyone watching live, if you have a question for either one, please feel free to share. I hope to uh, share a couple of questions for the ladies as we go on in the show. Okay. So what I thought I would start with the ladies is really to get their stories, how they became foam supporters, how they became friends, everything to do with the two of them. So Lorraine, I'm going to start with you. Give me your foam story. Um. I think I'm not sure of the exact date to be honest, but um, I've always loved football. I've I've loved everything about it: the passion, the highs, the lows, um, the camaraderie, the community, every, all aspects of it. Um, and I've always basically supported my local team uh, from. Um, so, so my local team when I was young was actually Luton Town because that was the nearest club to me and used to sort of go along and they had some you know there was they were in the old first division some fantastic matches some quite uh, scary matches when (laughs) hooliganism was still alive and well in the UK Uh, so it but it was it was a you know had all the attributes of a good local community team with a lot of the highs and lows that went with it Um, and when I moved to London um, when I was sort of like grown up and started my first sort of like job um, I moved to Hammersmith and there was never any question of which team I would go towards in the vicinity because we are blessed to have 
three teams within the borough. It's Chelsea, right. QPR, and obviously our beloved Fulham. And and there was there was no question in that it was never going to be a big club because that's not what I was about. And I just love seeing live football. Um, and the cottage is just such an amazing place that it sort of lures you there. And so that was probably in around the around the sort of 2000 mark so 20 odd years ago and um and so it was still standing at the terraces at the Putney end and you know and that was it, it was just everything I wanted I I even went to Loftus Road I know lots of Fulham fans will be thinking <laughs> oh how dare you have done that but I was a bit naive then I didn't really like realize that there was this you know that it wasn't necessarily the done thing but you know so I saw them at Loftus Road and once again, a good local ground, Loftus Road, you know, and, uh, um, you know, we won't say anything about the team, but, you know, as the ground goes, there's still a lot to sort of like to, to commend it. Um, and then that was it. And so uh, forevermore. So for good 20 odd years, Fulham's in my heart. I still look out for the Luton Town results and obviously yeah. we're going to be playing them again <laughs> next season, unfortunately. Um, so, so that's it really. You know, what's funny, and I'll just share this, uh, I watched a movie last year called Blinded by the Light. And, yeah. and it made me think of Luton Town because the backdrop of the movie takes place in, in Luton. And I just find that interesting. What I also find interesting that, that you mentioned, and it's actually something that drew me to film, Craven Cottage. That The mystique of Craven Cottage is something that actually brought me to it because I can relate to it here in the Boston area with Fenway Park. It's similar. It's the history. It's the family atmosphere that both have. And um, if Fulham fans don't know this, I actually tried to be a Chelsea supporter. My father grew up in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Thank God that never took because <laughs> it, it didn't fit my personality. Like you, Lorraine, it felt, it felt right. Fulham felt right. Chelsea never felt right. Mm. Fulham felt right. and But like you, Craven Cottage played a huge role. Um, and again, I've been now the Craven Cottage only twice, but it's that family atmosphere. I, I I don't think we can undersell how important that is. No, without a doubt, I think it's it has it is has a reverential feel, you know, and everyone talks about it because it's it's fairly well known that anyone any other London club or even not just London clubs that the away supporters love coming to the cottage because it's yeah. a traditional ground, obviously the riverside setting and just the closeness and the connection to the players on the pitch that I've never met any football fan that can visit, you know, can go and see their team play live that doesn't love going to the cottage. So it's not even just for Fulham fans. It's, it's for football lovers. Okay. Excellent. All right. Jackie, I'm going to go to you now and I want to get, your full story. What's interesting is that you and I have been friends on Twitter probably since I joined Twitter. So, and I just found out last week that you are Jack of Jack and Lots, which is actually a Goldman in itself. So, share me your full story and how you guys also met. Okay, so I grew up in Bath, which is a rugby town, and everybody supported rugby, but I liked football. And so in the 70s, when you were growing up in England, um, the team that was always on the telly was Liverpool. So <laughs> to the extent that um, I was allowed to follow football, you know, it was Liverpool you always saw. And Kenny Dalglish was uh, playing then, and he, obviously he was an amazing player. Um, but obviously Liverpool definitely didn't take. Um, I sort of carried on with my part-time interest in football whilst everyone else around me liked the egg-chasing thing. Right. Um, until I came to London to university when I was 18. And then I was able to shop around a bit. And I, like you, tried Chelsea, didn't work. Tried West Ham, liked West Ham, still have a bit of a soft spot for West Ham. This was obviously in the old stadium, which was a fantastic stadium, brilliant atmosphere, but it wasn't right. Um, shortly after I started work, I met Lorraine through work. And she said, oh, if you like football, you should come to Fulham with me. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll give that a go. So one Saturday, we met up at Hammersmith for the, the first time of many, now many occasions, bought our cappuccinos and walked down the river and went into Craven Cottage. And literally within minutes, 
I was sold and that was it. I was convinced it was my team. Craven Cottage was my second home. And it, it really was. It's exactly as you were saying. It's all about the cottage. And I cannot wait to get back to the cottage next week. So, yeah, it's 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 all about the cottage for me. That's great. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that, that that's how you two connected. You were friends and then you became friends at supporting the team that now you both love. It's, it, it's great. So let's now talk about, and Lorraine, I'll, I'll go to you. Let's talk about the block. Before we get in and talking about the book, I, I want to get your thoughts on starting a blog, which, which again, is a very popular blog. And I read it all the time. You guys do an excellent job. It's actually needed. It's so well written. Let's talk about the idea of, of uh, the two of you doing a blog together and your thoughts on, on doing the blog and, and your enjoyment out of it. Um, I can still remember the, um, the the day that we decided to do it because there'd been, I think, a a lead up to it, but without knowing what the outcome was going to be. And that you know, every match we'd go to would obviously have the sort of post match review. Would be sort of talking about the play, talking about obviously the score line, talking about the sort of the the uh, the referee's decision talking about the crowd <laughs> talking about you know funny incidents and um and uh so so we'd, this was a sort of an ongoing thing and then one time we were in the pub we used to go to the old Suffolk punch all the time but we'd go to different places but that was our sort of like favored one yeah. uh and actually my husband came along and we were talking and he said he said why don't you two guys write write a blog and we sort of went, yeah, I suppose we could. So he probably was sort of the the catalyst, although it had been, I think, sort of brewing for quite a while. And then, so then we had a discussion. And so what would you include in this blog? And we, um, by our own admission, are not stats geeks. You know, we'd like, you know, you look at the, the possession rates, you look at the how many sort of passes inside the box or whatever it is. But and but that's not really where we're about. We're about the more holistic thing about that's the, right. the whole getting to the ground, the post-match, uh, you know, deduction and enjoyment. But also just the sort of the feelings of the crowd, or seeing some like Chris Martin mooning at the crowd, or, or whatever. You know, the things that you know <laughs> aren't necessarily captured because he's just you know was proving himself like to to uh not be a, a dedicated ex-fulham player or whatever so you you uh we wanted to capture the whole thing and obviously just the 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 thing about seeing a football match is it's just the intensity the pace the the and and the skill levels that happen in front of your eyes and quite often you miss a lot because you don't get an action replay so you're trying to sort of like convey all of that and we very much wanted it to be not another uh, number of passes, possession rates in different parts of the field, all of those things. We were just thinking, no, it's just more a fan experience that most people can relate to. And what we also were conscious of is there are so many fans that can't go to the cottage and trying to convey that whole match day experience in a much broader, not just focus on the match and the stats way. See, I'm glad that you said that. I was just about to say that to you, that what I get out of your blog is exactly that because I'm not there. I am so far away and I can read other people write about the match. Like you said, it could be more stats based. It could be just, it. there's nothing to it. Just basic information on the game. You bring the fan experience to it. That to me, what makes your blog, both of you, what makes it different and makes it, unique and very important for me because it makes me feel like I was there with you. Mm, and that's, that's the best thing I could say to this blog for you guys is that I feel when I read it, I was there with you. And that's the highest compliment I can give you. And that's why it's so valuable that the two of you have started this and uh, I love your blog and it's just a, uh, just, just a great thing. And uh, I want to, I want to go back to you, Jackie, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on what we're talking about, and do you agree with my sentiment on that? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's really good to hear that because that is what we try to convey. It's, it's the whole day's experience. I mean, for me, I now live outside of London, not not anywhere near as far as you do. But, you know, so the match day experience is a whole day. It's going to the station. It's buying my first coffee at the station. It's getting the train to London. It's buying another coffee. You will all have gathered that we drink quite a lot of coffee and quite a lot of wine between the two of us. <laughs> but we really wanted to convey that atmosphere of, you know, arriving at the ground and you're, you're walking down Steve, um, Stevenage Road and you're, you're surrounded by people and people sometimes start singing and they're, they're talking about the players and they're talking about the match and that atmosphere, it starts building before you've even got there. And then, you know, you squeeze through the turnstiles and someone always has lost their ticket or, you know, gets a bit stuck or someone's searching someone's bag and, you know, it's, there's this big sort of melee just inside the, the turnstiles and then you you climb up the steps and then you're in the Hammersmith end and the, the pitch is there in front of you. And we just want to convey that to people who aren't as lucky as us and can't go all the time. So it's it's about that as much as the players. And as Lord says, there, there's other people who do the stats and all that kind of thing really, really well. So there's just no point in us concentrating on that. But, you know, we we really enjoy it. It's it's a big part of, of our match day experience as well yeah. and about what we want to say to people and get get people to, to enjoy it and get people involved. Um, you know, and it, it's taken on a life of its own, to be honest, since since that day in the pub, which I remember very clearly as well. Um, you know, it's it's become a, a, an almost a separate entity. It's the blog. Right. And let's now talk about my favorite part of your your blog post, random musings. Let's talk about this, Jackie. Okay, so the random musings, I have to admit, I'm a big X-Files fan, certainly back in the day. And I used to read an X-Files blog, and that had a section called random musings. <laughs> And that's where I got the idea from. And so, you know, the, the random musings section of our blog is the opposition kit. It's a dodgy hairstyle. It's just just little random things that happen that, again, when you're yeah. in a crowd, you notice and that, that you don't always notice on the TV. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good that you, you like that. And I think other people. Oh, I love it. it. <laughs> and it makes people smile. So, um yeah, we'll be sticking with the random music. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right, ladies, let's now talk about the book. And uh, Lorraine, I'll go to you. So, so let's talk about how the two of you decided you wanted to write this book, Crossing the Line. And it sounds like you already have another one already in the works. But let's talk about Crossing the Line and how it became about that you decided, let's write a book. I think once again, it's almost like a natural progression from the blog, or it felt like it. It wasn't sort of a, a, a massive, massive leap, even though it's quite different in terms of the extent of time and work it involves. So it's, it's much more mammoth in that sense. But um, but I think we just both, we both love Fulham and we both, we, we've, we've really, really been sort of quite, sort of blown away by the real positive um, feedback that we've had on the blog. And we just thought it, it's it's that there, there don't seem to be many football related novels out there. I mean, no. there's there's hardly anything. Steve Bruce wrote some uh, really bad ones in the past <laughs> that, that were absolutely sort of castigated for being so bad. But but in reality, there's very, very few. I mean, just thought, but it's, it's uh, something that so many people love. So why wouldn't you think about doing something around that? And then we did. So so we we started to plan it probably about uh, think about plot lines about two years ago. So these things always have long gestation periods. It's an inevitability if you're going to do it right. You can't rush it. And um, so we started planning it about two years ago in terms of the, the plot lines. And it wasn't until uh, January 2020 that we started to actually sort of plan it out sort of like plot line by plot line and characters and start to sort of like develop it and flesh it out as a sort of a book plan um, and then we we started writing and obviously the pandemic started in the UK anyway and sort of it really that the lockdown hit in March 2020 and so pretty much from the beginning we had to do the the book planning um, remotely and so Jackie and I were just zooming and we um, also needed to make sure that we were both writing 
different elements and they obviously have to integrate and flow and the plots have to sort of like sort of flow through um so we would rather than the three o'clock when we'd be going down to the match uh would use all the saturdays uh, for for book discussion and so we've needed to be just two authors on any book needs masses and extensive collaboration and obviously we we needed that so we, we spent a lot of time discussing debating reading each other's uh text and then trying to integrate so um and that so it's taken us about a, a year and a half to bring it to sort of fruition um and it's been we've, we've learned an awful lot we really have and we've had some fantastic help along the way um but we're yeah we're we're, we're happy that we've we've got something to show for it that hopefully people will like. Okay, uh, before I go to Jackie, please tell everyone a couple things. I actually had a request and I'm sorry that I've not shared this. Tell everyone how that they can find your blog. Let's start there. Over Jackie, to you, do, Lorraine. Jackie, Jackie, are you better on this in terms of the oh, address? Okay. Sure. Uh, so the blog is on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at Jack and Laws. Um, the most recent blog is usually our pinned tweet or pinned tweet at the moment it obviously relates to the book but once we start getting back into the season our pinned tweet will be the most recent blog we also have a website which is jack and laws is it jack and laws.com or jack and laws.co.uk both both yep. both we've all two websites um so you, you can find the historic blogs on there um but yeah each blog is posted on twitter after each match Okay, great. So, Jackie, let, let, let's now talk about the book and just give everyone an overall synopsis of the story, and then uh, and then we'll t tell everyone how that they can actually get the book. So, the story is a fictional Fulham team's FA Cup campaign from the third round onwards, and obviously, we won't give too much away as to <laughs> don't give too much away. No. Uh, Interestingly, in this, this fictional season, Fulham are a championship team again. So uh -huh. uh, we were perhaps authors of our own destiny when we were writing about this championship season during our premiership season. But um, so we've got the added pressure on the manager and the players of, of having to get promoted, um, which leads to quite a lot of tension, quite a lot of drama. Um, there's quite a lot of mishaps. There's some intrigue. There's some scandal um, all sort of thrown in together against the, the backdrop of a London mayoral election year, which is quite a big thing in London. Wow. Um, again, obviously, totally fictional candidates um, and fictional campaigns, but real issues. You know, we wanted to make um, grassroots footballer an issue because it's something that we're into. Um, and one of our candidates is very into the environment. Uh, things like that. Um, of our, our football players, you know, one's got mental health issues because that's something else that we believe um, in very strongly. So it, it's a book of, of of two themes, really, football and politics sort of twining together um, with hopefully a storyline people find interesting, hopefully some compelling characters um, and a bit of a showdown at the end. Wow, very interesting. And uh, uh Back back over to you, Laurie. It's 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 funny because um one of my co-hosts, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, is Craig Coben. His brother is Harlan Coben. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Sounds something that Harlan Coben would write. So it's, it's very interesting. So so um what has been so far, you know, again, you you published the book. We're, we're gonna tell everyone in just a second how that they can get the book, but what has been, you know, and again, you can go to your website, you can see some of the responses. What has been the best thing about writing the book for you? I think that the feedback has just been really, really good. I think just because um, whilst it's written in the third person, there are two uh, fans and they are a Jack and Laws in the book, which are alter egos, <laughs> um, which are basically give the fans perspective. So whilst there's all these sort of, pressure on the um, fictional Fulham owner to sell because he's got business issues <laughs> and guess what there's people sniffing around the cottage to redevelop it which is why they might want to get a complicit mayor to push through some development decisions that might not be for the fans benefit there's also 
a rival local club that's been taken over by a very rich owner and has changed the oh. name because they can and he's not so worried about the legacy fans view because he's worried about winning trophies and putting the money in and just making sure that his his profile and his investments suit him and his business interests so there's all of these themes which any sports fan football fan will be uh, very familiar with and it's all woven into the plot but the 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 alter egos of, of jack and Loz in the book the yeah. that give the first-hand account from a fan's perspective that, quite frankly, don't have much of a clue, but they end up getting sort of sort of behind the scenes and actually quite involved. Um, it's very like There's some very light-hearted elements. So it's whilst the themes might be quite serious in terms of a lot of people with a lot of money not necessarily having fans at heart, no. um, there's also, uh, and the pressures from on the players that you know they're not they're not robots you know they have expectations and they might be brilliant but you know it doesn't mean that they're automatons and then can perform every day at a drop of a hat you know they've got you know they're just ups and downs like anybody else and sometimes a lot more because of the pressure on them um but it's 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 meant to be not too serious when push comes to shove it's a fictional account on this fa cup campaign and just with a sort of and there's Hopefully, some quite a few funny moments in there yep. that just—it's—it's um, it's a light, light read overall. Even though some of the themes are, you know, they're real. Okay, very interesting. And uh, I'm not a big reader, but you know what? I'm—I'm going to get your book. I can't wait to actually read your book. I, you know, I, I don't read that much. My family makes fun of me that I really don't. But I actually—you guys have now sold me on reading your book. Uh, I, I will mention this. That, you know, it's funny because while you're saying this, I'm thinking about a couple of shows I, I have watched in the past. I can't believe we're going to say it's Footballers Wives, Dream Team. I've actually watched these things. And this doesn't go to that extreme. But, you know, again, if you're interested in story, I, I think there should be more stories with football being interwoven. And I, mm -hmm. I love the fact that you guys have done this, Lorraine. But most importantly, tell everyone how that they can get the book. Well, you, you can get it on good old Amazon. Um, if, so that is just basically the the best place to to, to be able to buy books. And so um, obviously in the UK, it's Amazon.co.uk or, or Amazon.com. Um, we are it's called Crossing the Line, and it's joint authored. So it's L Hughes and Jay Button. Um, and hopefully it should come up. There's quite a few books with that line. Go figure. We're not that original, but um, it's uh, it's a, it, it 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 suited us in terms yeah. of politics and the football. And um, so, but it, it's it's not a wholly original title. We are confessing that up straight away because you'll find <laughs> quite a few. So you might have to dig around a bit, but essentially it should should be up there. And particularly if you put in sort of Fulham Football Club or soccer then that, that will come up. And, okay. and there's a link on our website. If you go to jackandlaws.com, there's a link on the website that will take you straight through there as well. Okay. I would highly recommend if you're a Fulham supporter, get in the book, read the book, and please let Jackie and Lorraine know what you think of the book. And so far, the feedback that they're getting has been fantastic. So, guys, congratulations on that. But I'm having you on for another reason. We have some stuff to talk about with Fulham. So coming up next... We're going to talk Fulham with the ladies. Okay, ladies, let's now talk about Fulham. And Jackie, I'm going to go to you first. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. We'll talk about the signings in just a bit. But I want to get your thoughts. First of all, we've had a change as who is the Fulham head coach. If you want to talk about Scott Parker's departure, feel free to. But I want to get your thoughts. What was going through your mind when they brought in Marco Silva? So we were both, well, I certainly was pleasantly surprised. I think that we'd we'd very much been linked with both Steve Cooper and Chris Wilder. This is true. Both very solid championship managers, especially Chris Wilder. Um, and I think, you know, you, you know what you're going to get with, with people like that. They know what yep. they're doing in the championship. They know how to manage a championship team. But maybe that's sort of what they're best at. Maybe that's their level. Maybe they... Um, are good up to a point, but perhaps they weren't really what we were looking for. Um, Marco Silva, a bit of an unknown quantity, obviously hasn't managed in the championship before, has had some success in England before, but not obviously as much as some people, but obviously had massive success in Portugal. So again, 
knows what he's doing as a manager uh seems to come over really well i thought his first interview in particular seems really approachable friendly nice guy would be a nice guy to work for you'd hope um likes to play attacking football what's not to like so you know let's let's see what happens very interesting and lorraine i want to get your thoughts on it and i, and I like what jackie just shared because his track record is a little spotty but i found something interesting about his track record and that's this. His teams have generally started strong. As long as I follow Fulham, they've always started terribly. So to <laughs> me, this is a huge plus just for that, that his teams tend to start fairly strong. So what what was going through your mind when, when they signed Silva? Because, again, the track record isn't in the championship, but it is in the Premier League. And if we're thinking long term – to have a manager that has the experience in the Premier League, I think, is important. Nothing against the other managers, as, as Jackie said, they were solid managers in their own right. But this gentleman has all this experience in the Premier League to the point where he went from Hull to Watford and then Everton won him. So he kept going up. Even though it didn't work out, his trajectory was heading upwards. And again, his first season at Everton was fairly good. So what are your thoughts about Marco Silva? I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I think he could be a very good fit to, for the club. And I think we find that this, the, the club can suit some players, some managers, like Mitro when he first yeah. came, you know, Newcastle, oh, difficult to handle, and yet he thrived at Fulham. And I can see it potentially being a really good place for him. And I'm really pleased that we didn't go for the same old, same old and the whole sort of like I merry go round. Yeah. And then we always say we like we like having a sort of like a slightly suave manager at Fulham. <laughs> I mean it goes with the image. I think it's it's good. We, what we didn't say, Russ, is that um in our book with our fictional manager, he is called Marco Marich. And so our wow. I, I know like we're how, and, and, how and crazy is that? It's it is crazy because he's he's a very the marker marriage in our book is is an ambitious, very intelligent, very okay. Do you guys guy. know something or <laughs> if if we go on a good FA Cup campaign, I tell you we are giving up our professions of becoming um, like fortune tellers. But like <laughs> so, but uh, the marker in the book is is a guy that doesn't necessarily play by the rules so um that's where hopefully <laughs> they will end in terms of any yeah. similarities but marco silver uh, it is a bit of a checkered pass but i i i really think that the fans are desperate for a bit of attacking play totally we, agree. i mean totally i wanted agree, scott to work i really I, you know it's all the heart and head stuff and you know and scott is so um he's quite an intense guy but he was you know full of player we wanted it to work and it's a shame it didn't and I think there's obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we have right. no idea about um but on the basis but the football was getting quite difficult to watch because it was totally you know, agree. and the whole metro thing and it was just you know so I think it was probably better for all that was sort of a, a, a split in the way that, that that's happened and a bit of fresh blood for the players hopefully be good for Cav you know Portuguese Lua Morte back yay that, that's good and um so hope hopefully um and Mitro ha, you know him and Scott don't know have a clue what went on but he's staying and I think that is great for us that is really really good if we can get Mitro back on fire then we're all going to be happy totally agree I want to go back over to you, Jackie, because Lorraine just brought up a good point. How much of a factor of Silva coming was the fact that um, Boa Morte is coming with him? Did that sell you, the fact that he's coming back? Totally. I mean, what Fulham fan doesn't love Louis Boa Morte? Um, you know, he was a great player for us, big character, great on the field, great captain off it as well. Um, to have him back as a coach, he's obviously done coaching both with Marco Silva and I think on his own as well, yeah. um, or at least with other people as well. So he's now got a bit of a track record of his own as a coach. He must be so looking forward to getting stuck in back at the cottage. The reception he's going to get is just going to be amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think he certainly adds to Marco's credibility 
um, and again, makes it even more exciting what we're going to see. Okay, excellent. All right, back over to you, Lorraine. Let's talk about a departure for phone. We learned this yesterday as well. I want to get your thoughts on Stefan Johansson leaving for QPR. Yikes. But, you know, what's interesting about this, and I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to share my thoughts on Johansson. Johansson, McDonald, and Kearney, I, I will always love the three of them together in their prime. Johansson showed me that, unfortunately, he is not a Premier League player. And if we have ambitions to be a Premier League team again, I didn't see a fit, I, a short-term fit. So I'm fine with him going. Am I fine with him going to QPR? Probably not. But I will always have fond memories of Stefan Johansson. What are your thoughts about this, Lorraine? And then I'll go back to Jackie. I think I'm with you totally, Russ. I mean, he 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 wouldn't get in a Premier League side. He just, no. just just wouldn't. He is everything that sort of the Fulham team embodies. Just in terms of, I think I read someone's tweet today saying that he's exactly who you want on the field. That they he when things aren't going right, it's he is there and he's giving his all and he's giving his like body, soul, mind, everything into it. And then when things are going well, he, you know, he he wants it as much as the fans. You know, he's, there's no detachment at all. So he is, I think, um, no Fulham fan will begrudge him keeping up, getting gameplay and, and, and keeping his career going. The QPR thing, I... You know, he's not the first to go there. I mean, Bobby Zamora, Aaron Hughes, I mean, like there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a number that have gone in that direction. And it's back to there being, you know, the clubs in close proximity. They've got houses, they've got kids at school. You know, it's, you can get for a footballer's life. It must be, you know, everyone sort of sees all the, you know, fast cars and glamorous lifestyle, but there is upheaval as well. And there's, you know, especially if they're, they are being shoved from here to there or wherever, and then their, their, their sporting lives can be quite short. So you get that they want to stay in London, they want to be nearby, they don't want to mess the family around. And QPR are a good, solid club, as much as it pains me to say it. <laughs> but it's, you know, so it, for him, you think it makes sense. And yeah. um, so good luck to him and thanks for his contribution because you, you can't fault that. No, you definitely can. And back over to you, Jackie. It's a good point because for Johansson, it, it makes perfect sense. He doesn't have to leave. He could still stay in London, and it's it's probably a good location for him. It stings a little bit, but as Lorraine said, it's not the first time we've seen foreign players go to QPR. So what are your thoughts about Johansson? Yeah, I'm sad to see him go. I mean, the, the, the period you, you were alluding to of, of him and Tom and Kevin being what we call the three midfield musketeers, but they were absolutely terrific together. They were probably the best midfield in the league, certainly yeah. for one season at least. Um, but, you know, Kevin's gone again. You know, we really wish him the best with his health as well as his future career. So, you know, these players are coming to the end of their careers now anyway. Um, Stefan's 30. We sold him. We've got some money for him, albeit not loads. It's not a bad deal. Um would he have played that much for us this season? Probably not. He obviously enjoyed his loan spell at QPR. And, you know, like we're all saying, it's it's a, it's a sensible move for him. And, you know, obviously we don't want him to score against us or anything. But we all wish him well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and again, I, I wish him well. And, uh, you know, again, I'm, it makes sense for him. And uh, I always think fondly of Stefan Johansson. Like I mentioned, Jackie, the three of them together. And I also want to mention Kevin McDonald, who, again, is no longer with Fulham. Uh, he was – what he, to this day, he'll be one of my favorite players. My favorite player is Danny Murphy of all time. Kevin McDonald's not that far behind. Uh, I love Kevin McDonald. True leader on the pitch. He was a true captain on the pitch. I think, I think the three of us will agree on that. And I think Fulham have missed his leadership since – he hasn't been around, so so I'm I, I want to include Kevin McDonald in that uh, discussion as well. Okay, ladies, let's now talk about some signings. We actually have some good news. We have some signings. We're going to end talking about Harry Wilson, but I'm I was um, kind of taken aback by this signing, Lorraine. And again, uh, what's what's interesting about this uh, goalkeeper uh, comes from Tottenham, and I'm going to try to say his name, Paulo. Gazaniga, I could be wrong. That that would be wouldn't be the first goal that I made, but again, uh, a goalkeeper that 
is coming from one of the top clubs in the Premier League. You know, again, it's on a free. There's really low risk. You have Marcus Bettinelli leaving. So for me, this is just my feelings on it. Possible competition here. It's good for Merrick Rodak's development. What are your thoughts about bringing in a goalkeeper with, with this experience? Um, well, hopefully he'll be good with that pedigree, you would like to think. Uh, I feel sorry for Rodak, um, but you can't really feel sorry. You know, it's not about um, just trying to be everyone's best friend, is it? If you're running a club and you're managing it and um, but Rodak had the backseat in the Premier League and quite frankly, Ariola was absolutely fantastic. He was one of our standout players, probably the best one. At, and, and we still got relegated with Ariola in goal. <laughs> so, um, so that just goes to show the, the competition in the Premier League. But Ariola was fantastic. And obviously Rodak played a couple of matches just before the end and he, he did well. But um, And I think he's a excellent goalie but not of Ariola's standard so um and, and I think no matter how much you like Rodak you could see the difference Ariola was definitely oh, yes. a, a, a big cut above um so Gazaniga um I, I saw a picture of him on the website with yep. Wilson and there's about three foot difference between them in terms of height you know yeah. I don't know how tall he is but he looks like a man mountain <laughs> so um so that's good um but uh so, uh, and Silver says he wants competition for all the places, and you need two good goalies. Uh, there's, it seems that the intent is fairly clearly get back up, and it has to be by oh, automatics. And there's no good faffing about in the playoffs because that's just a you know we've been there twice now in not in just a few years. So it has to be automatics. So I think it makes sense, particularly with Ariola, you know unsurprisingly not not staying with us yeah. Just, yeah. he was alone and no chance of him staying well rain you just brought up a good point and i don't think we talk enough about this the two seasons we recently went up were through the playoffs i was at the final at Wembley, fantastic but i think it also hampered form but by, by going up that way instead of the automatic promotion i think it i think they desperately needed it i think that's part of the reason why you're seeing these signings potentially you're also seeing a look into the future that that they have this goalkeeper that maybe could play in the Premier League as well and push Rodak and and, and get the most out of Rodak. I want to go back over to you, Jackie. I want to get your thoughts about what we're talking about with this goalkeeper. And do you see what Lorraine is saying that this could also be a sign that it really is make or break again for probably the third time. Fulham desperately need to get back in the Premier League, but maybe this time they understand it definitely. They probably understood it then. They definitely have to be in one of the two positions. And I think maybe some of these signings are showing us that that's where their their intent is. Yeah, I mean, I think with Gazaniga himself, he's obviously got a lot of experience. He's obviously very good. He's obviously very tall. Um, Six foot five. Wow. Oh <laughs> is he Thank you, Chris, by the way. <laughs> is he coming in as number one? Is he coming in as number two? We don't know. Maybe even Marco Silva doesn't know yet. You know, maybe it really yeah. is a straight shootout between them. Let's see who's best. Let's see who works best with the defence. Um, maybe we won't know for a couple of games. But, yeah, I mean, Rodak was great for us in, in the championship last time around. Um, and it will be a shame if he's not number one. But as Lorraine says, we're not we're not here to make friends with goalkeepers. We're no. here to get promoted. And if Gazanik is the best, then he's the one we need. Um, going back to automatic promotion, absolutely 100% agree with that. And in fact, in, in our book, which we keep quoting, um, pretty much the same discussion goes on quite early on. Our, our fictional owner um, is, is telling the manager only automatic promotion will do. And that comes up several times. And one of our friends who proofread the book for us said, why do you keep on about automatic promotion? And um, we have to say, look, it is really important. It does really make a difference. Yes, the day out at Wembley, which you referred to, I mean, it's literally one of the best days of my life. But I don't want another trip to Wembley. No, neither do I. Your final again, you know. Um, we need to come first or second. Um, hopefully, we're putting together a team that can do that. Right, you know, and to that point, Jackie, and both of you know this, 
the time that Fulham had to recruit and build a new team, especially last season, was so small. And part of it was because they went up via the playoff final. And like I said, great moments. I I can just tell you, I watch over and over them beating Brentford. I, I enjoy every moment of that. <laughs> and, I, and I love every moment of me going. But if I, if I look back at it, I'm like, the fact that we didn't get automatic promotions really has hurt us twice. And you know, it, it has because it doesn't give us enough time. We're, we're competing against all these other clubs. They have a head start on us. Yeah. And it doesn't give us enough time to plan. And then, you know, listen, Tony Khan, and I'll, I'll say his name, he does deserve criticism for making all these signings at the last minute. I, I agree with all that. But I also think that it did hurt that we have not had that extra time to plan where, where you don't know what division you're in. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving – trust me, I'm going to tell you, I'm not giving him a free pass on that. I mean, it's just another factor in what has happened with Fulham. I think if they had some more time, maybe things would have been different or maybe they would have been the same. But I would have liked to – I want to see what happens if they do it via automatic promotion. And I think these two signings – indicate where their mindset is. I'm talking about the club. So now let's talk about Lorraine. I want to go back over to you. Again, we, we've been hearing some information about Harry Wilson for a couple of weeks now. And uh, I, I remember I've watched him play several times. I think this is an excellent signing. But let me just preface this. Before we went live, we're getting conflicting information on his deal with Fulham. The reports we were getting from many journalists that were associated with covering Liverpool is that this was a permanent deal and that the payment, the first installment, was going to be deferred until 2022. We are now getting, again, on Twitter, Tom Barclay from The Sun just tweeted out that he is hearing that it's a loan deal with an obligation to buy if they hit certain markers. I'm paraphrasing exactly what the tweet said. So we're getting different information regardless. Harry Wilson is a player for us, Lorraine. I think this is, again, if you watched him play and you watched Marco Silva's team, it kind of goes hand in hand. I think this is, you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone off air. I think that Marco Silva had a lot to do with this signing. He talked to the player. I think, his influence is all over Harry Wilson becoming a Fulham player. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so I, I'd be surprised if he was not here on a permanent deal, not least because the, the, the club's website with the video interview of him says, oh, you must be fed up being a loanee because you've been, where is it, like Hull, Derby, Bournemouth, whatever. So he's been a yeah. serial loanee. So he wants a, a home. He wants a club. And he's, you know, he's said that he can see that this is a place that he can sort of like grow and develop. So, you know, fingers crossed he is here on a permanent deal. Um, any attacking player is good in my book. So as an attacking midfielder, Yes, please. Thank you very much. And he's really good at set pieces as well, which is sort of something we need. So that is really good. So because um, our attacking options, we've still got Mitra, but we've got Cav and AK and Bobby. Like They're not – defensively, we look fairly solid, I yeah. think, because we've got Congolo and Tete and obviously Anthony Robinson and – you know, so we're 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 quite strong defensively. So an attacking midfielder is exactly, I think, sort of like what we need, particularly if we can get Mitro sort of back in form. Um, so I I think it's it does um, as you say, sort of uh, illustrate. I think Marco Silva's. I must not call him Marco Marich ever, but Marco Silva's uh, attributes and his and his game philosophy. And I just think that that is really positive and I think his young guys were mid twenties, right. something like that. He's twenty four Lorraine. Perfect. Like, you know, he'll just you know, so I think I think it's a it's a good signing. And yeah. and we've we've kept it unlike, you know, every time we go up to the Premier League, because we do it, you know, every other year or have done in the last few years, um it's people in, people out and We've kept the core of the team, which is really good. I know we've Steph Joe's gone and uh, and Kevin's no longer with us, but the right. um for the but the the obviously the most of the loanies have gone, but still there is a core there. The core is, is still there. Laura. Yeah, 
and is capable of having a good season. And I think all the Fulham fans are just thinking, please, just some positive football, attacking football, some goals. I mean, where were the goals last season? I know. Um, it, they were just in such short supply that when we were doing our end of season blog and like we always have a like best goal and uh, we were like uh well there weren't that many so which you could you could name them all because there were so few so um so hopefully he'll bring all of that and fingers crossed he'll be here on a sort of a more permanent basis particularly if he comes good okay well i'm pretty much all done with parker ball so i'm, I'm good there so so let's see what silver ball can give us and and maybe harry wilson can be a part of that. And uh, Jackie, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on this because, again, I'm glad that Lorraine keeps mentioning this. You guys are, are going to be there. And I've had several fans say to me, even under Parker, that they wanted to be entertained. Everything I've seen and read about Silva's play is attacking, entertaining football. When I watch this player, Harry Wilson, I've watched him several times, he fits that. So, are you excited about about him joining Fulham? Yeah, I think he, he could be potentially a really good signing. I think what I particularly like about him, even leaving aside the way he plays, is there, there was a tweet yesterday where um, I, I, I'm guessing there'd been a potentially other interests in him, but that he was keen to drop down to the championship and, and challenge for promotion. And that's exactly what we want, is somebody who wants to play every week, who wants to play their best, and, and who wants to to help us out really and and you know get us back up and that that was reflected in in his interview which we obviously all watched earlier but yeah he does seem like an a, a exciting young player um, obviously plays for Wales which is great um, young almost coming into his prime I think that the main thing is can he combine well with Mitro I mean this you know Mitro is so much the key to us getting back up it's a um, great point yeah. Um, we, we were both saying uh, when we spoke yesterday, actually, that, you know, that photo of Micho in the ice bath, for a man in an ice bath, he looked extremely happy to be where he was. So let's hope that he's kind of put his um, unhappiness of last season, however that came about, behind him. Um, he and Marco are, are forging a great new relationship and he's about to get back on fire again. And, and part of Mitro being on fire is people putting the balls into him in the box because we know that if Mar if Mitro gets the ball in the box, he's more more likely than not to score. So, yeah, it could be fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I really think so too, Jackie. And do you agree with Lorraine as I do? You know, it's funny because I've had many people say to me, you know, worried about Fulham's team. If you look at it, Yes, we, we do need additions, defensively solid. But this is a team, if they kept the majority of the team intact and we don't have many players going out, it's good enough to, I want to say, win the league or, or, or get second. Would you agree with that? Yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you need to bear in mind what other teams are doing. Yes, we're going to be pushed very hard by Slav and very hard by Scott. And I think as the season goes on, that kind of three-way battle, which really could be the potential three-way battle at the top, is going to be really, really interesting. And I'm very much looking forward to writing about that. But, um, yeah, we've got a really good team. If, if no one else leaves and just a couple more attacking players come in, then, yeah, it's potentially a league-winning team. Okay, very good. Uh, it's funny, ladies. I I have a couple of questions that, that are just dealing with uh, – the situation at hand. I'm going to share this with Colm Bugler. This is an interesting one because this could actually go under something we talked about off air being a controversial topic. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this. What does Wilson signing meaning for the future of Kearney? Is Wilson a better 10 than anyone anywhere else in the midfield? And what's interesting about this is Kearney, I, I don't think has been at, at the, uh, at the matches lately. So it, it's very interesting and I actually had someone ask me, is it time to move on from Tom Kearney? I, you know, it's funny because I, I was watching the uh, play of Harry Wilson. I think he's more of a winner. Could he play a 10? Potentially. But the bigger question is Tom Kearney's future. So what are your thoughts of, about that, Lorraine? I'll go to you first. You know, again, he, he's starting to get up there. And I, I love Tom Kearney, but he's very injury prone. Is it time to consider moving on from him? I'm curious your thoughts on that. 
Uh, possibly, but I'm I I wouldn't go there just yet. Um, okay. I I I think Tom is still a fan favorite, uh, but I think he and that's on the basis that uh, he is loyal and faithful to the club uh, up to a point. We know he's dallied possibly in the past, and uh, yeah. you know that's that's fair enough. Um, but. I think there were matches last season in the Premier League that we really missed him. We missed. You're 100 percent right. And he could have been definitely game changing in some key matches. And uh, and I think he can. Uh, and, and even when he started the season, he was looking really good. Um, and, and it was a shame uh, and that that he got injured so early on in the season. And yeah. it's, it's a shame that he is injury prone. I, I, I'm not a great believer in out of the old, in with the new, uh, okay. because I think that can be a bit naive sometimes. And I, and I, and I do believe in um, testing people, giving them a chance. So I would like to see him back. I don't think it's an either or with Kearney okay. and Wilson. I think Wilson, from my understanding, he's quite versatile. He can plays on the right wing, but he can actually yes. be more central and even on the left. So, I, I I don't think it has to be either or. You know, and Guisa, he had some amazing matches last season. Oh. He had some bad matches, but Harris Reed equally, you know, well he's brilliant. I think he's been like fantastic for about the whole season. But I do think we need to be able to sort of like swap players in and out. Um, and and I and like Lamina was was good for us last season. Yeah. In terms of us number ten, I think I'd keep Tom and have Wilson and let's see how we go. We've, you know, so I don't think it's an either or, but that's that's my view. Okay, I have to have the two of you back on just to talk football with you. You know, again, I'm I'm glad that we have you on talk about the book. But Lorraine, you just really you just brought it there because I I, I agree with everything you said. I'm glad you brought in the Angisa situation, talking about Lamina, because when you look at it. You can mix a match with all these players now because if you're playing a certain opponent, maybe someone plays and someone doesn't. And I think I agree with you. I think Fulham missed Kearney. I'm just asking the question that someone asked me earlier. Is it time to move on from Tom Kearney? Sounds like you don't think it is. I'm curious your view. I don't think it is either. Jackie, what's your thoughts on it? Are you still good with Tom Kearney playing a role with Fulham this season? I'm certainly still good with him playing a role. I think, though, that we have to be practical He's getting on a bit, she says, being nearly 20 years older than him. Um, wow, you guys are disagreeing. I love it. <laughs> but in, in footballing terms, he's getting on a bit. <laughs> and I think the injury that year did really seem to knock him for six. And it does seem to have taken him a, a long time to come back from that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Danny Murphy earlier. And I remember him saying towards the end of his career that he'd been very lucky in that he'd always kept himself very fit. Yeah. And- had prolonged his career, which I'm sure is true. Um, Tom obviously hasn't been so lucky. And, you know, there must come a time where there's only so much you can do. And I, I think he definitely still has a role. You know, we love watching him play, his creativity, you know, some of his long passes, um, you know, some of his assists have been absolutely terrific. And we do miss him when he doesn't play. But I think we do have to start thinking about the fact that there will be a post-Tom era and, you know, people are going to have to fill the gap. And this season in the championship might, unfortunately, be the last we see of Tom. Okay, it's very good. Ladies, this has been great. I, I want to share one question with, with you guys. Again, we had a few questions. And I'm, before we wrap it up, I, I definitely want to share this question because it involves going back to Craven Cottage. Let me just change the view for a second. Just give me a second, maybe... Maybe this will come in a little bit better. Uh, I just want to share this. Uh, let's see if this makes a difference. I have a season ticket for the coming season, yet my wife is hesitant to let me sit in the Putney stand due to COVID pand- pandemic climate. What's your advice? Should I miss the opening few matches of the season until the UK has control of the numbers? Guys, what are your thoughts? First, Lorraine, what do you make of that and the concerns that Kamal has? I, I think you, you you need to obviously take your own advice and um, be as comfortable as you can be. I mean, m- many uh, the percentage of people that have been double jabbed has is high in um, in the UK, but London a bit less so. I, I 
um, you know, I, I think it, it would be hard for us to say. I think the club um, will be as responsible as it can be. I actually went to the Fulham-Liverpool match, which was the, the first match that they had fans in for a while. When oh. it just, there was that brief, the 2,000 fans, and it was fantastic. Oh, it's and a it teaser. Was that was a well. teaser match, yeah. I know, and it was brilliant, and we should have won, but we absolutely. Uh, they Liverpool got a penalty, but there you go. Um, but it don't was get me fantastic... started on that, Lorraine. Don't get me started. <laughs> it, it was fantastic to be there. Everyone wore masks. Everyone was spaced going in. Um, people sort of were, were spread out. But that was before there'd been a big vaccination program. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it, it is going to be a bit trial and error. You know, without being all doom and gloom, I was talking to someone yesterday that who'd been double jabbed and caught COVID at Wembley at the England-Italy uh, Euro final. So uh, who, who knows? I think I, I think it, it's it's difficult for us to give advice, to be honest yeah. on that, because you, obviously it's still, still a risk. And I'm not sure if you have to show your vaccination certificate. I think you have to, um, or, uh, or, or a, a recent COVID test. I think we have to for the match next week, the... Um, the, the preseason friendly against Charlton, yeah. so um, so you'd like to think uh, case numbers are going down, but um, I, I think until it disappears, there's always going to be a risk with any sort of like gathering. Yeah, it's a hard one, Jackie. As as I as I bring you back in here, it is hard because because uh, it's funny. I, I've I've been totally vaccinated. I actually had COVID. And uh, but I understand Kamal's concern. It's difficult to give advice on that because it's an individual situation. It's it, it's a hard one. What are your thoughts about that? Just his concerns in general. Yeah, I totally totally get it because also of course it's not just at the ground. It's on the tube. It's on the train. It's on the bus. However, however you get there, um, the vaccination program in the UK has been successful, but it's not a hundred percent in terms of not everybody's being vaccinated, but also we know the vaccine isn't 100% effective. Um, so yeah, it's it's a worry. And I think it's a situation that clubs will monitor and, and that people, you, you just have to do what you think is right. Um, it will be interesting to see how it works at the Friendly. I think that's probably a bit of a, 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 a trial run in, yeah. in more ways than one um, and see how it goes. But yeah, it's it's a genuine worry still. Okay, excellent. And uh, I'm sorry, I have to scratch this itch one more time, Lorraine. Uh, that Liverpool match still annoys the hell out of me ever since then because that in no way did they deserve that. In no, they didn't deserve anything from that. The fact that you were there, you you didn't deserve to to see that, you know, because Fulham deserved all three points. I'm sorry, I, I had to go there on that. Uh, t- tell me about it. it. The it was brilliant. The fact there were two thousand people in the in the ground and. It, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Everyone yeah. was so happy to be there. And also, everyone just felt very lucky to be there because it was a ballot and it was literally a luck of the draw. Um, and from the off, we were brilliant. And and that was what was so disappointing about last season. We had, we had such a good spell for, you know, a good period of time that I think everyone thought that after a bad start, for all the reasons you said, Russ, you know, yeah late start you know it's, it's hard enough trying to uh, do battle in the Premier League going up from the championship even if you're come up as number one or two but as, yeah. as a playoff final it's pretty much impossible and the stats bear that out yeah. um, and but we gave Liverpool a game and they were not expecting it they were really yeah. not expecting it and uh, you know, the, the ball hit AK's arm as he sort of jumped in the wall, and then that was a penalty, which was completely undeserved. And we were absolutely—it was—it was an attacking performance and lots of skill, and uh, and we should have won. And there were, but there were so many lost points here, there, and everywhere. But even with those lost points, uh, <sighs> we just petered out. We like some wounded yeah. animal out of the, the Premier League, and yeah. so and we didn't deserve to be there in the end. So let's—we've okay. got to start fresh. Okay, I have to share this. This is a friend of mine who's actually a Patriots fan. He's not a Fulham supporter, but he supports all of my shows. He's a Liverpool supporter. No, you're wrong, Chris. You're wrong. Okay, I just had to do that. Sorry. <laughs> He's a Liverpool supporter. You're wrong, uh... Chris. You're wrong. Anyways, I 
<laughs> thank you, Chris, as always, for watching and listening <laughs> to both of my shows. I, I really appreciate it. Guys, this has been just such a pleasure doing the show with the two of you. You know what? I'm gonna say this right now. I want the back, I want the two of you back on just to do a show with me again. Doesn't you know, please come back again. I really enjoyed it, Lorraine and, and Jackie. Please do come back. First, first, Lorraine, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thanks, Russ. Really okay. lovely to talk to you. Okay, and, and Jackie, thank you so much for doing this. And uh I'll uh, I'll end with you. Please tell everyone one last time how they can buy the book. Okay, thank you first of all very much for having us on, Russ, and we would love to come back. Um, secondly, the book is on Amazon, both as a paperback and a Kindle edition. If you search Crossing the Line, it'll come up. It's a, it's a beautiful cover with a, with a lovely cup on the front, uh, so you can't miss it. Thank you. Okay. And if you guys uh, do another book, and you can, you know, if you want, you can add a character with the name of Russ. I'm not just suggesting it. Um, <laughs> no, not a baddie, though. A goodie. A goodie. Exactly. Exactly. Well, listen. This has been wonderful, and I can't thank my guests enough, Jackie Button and Lorraine Hughes, for joining me. But it is time to wrap it up. For my two lovely guests, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.